to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com. I am James Ham. Joining me, Mr. Garrett Temple. <laughs> GT, what's going on, man? Nothing much, Jay Ham. I appreciate that, man. Um, you probably say that to all, all, all the players. But, I say uh, it to all of them, <laughs> except for you're the one with a trophy in your locker that says, like, uh, teammate of the year, media media savvy guy yeah. of the year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where, where all that's coming from. But uh, I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right. So you guys are 2-8, are and eight, but you just, you just came off a, a big win. Number one, how much does a young team need a win like that? It doesn't matter who you're playing. Clearly, you got to play against, get it against a bunch of superstars uh, or former superstars, some of them. But uh, still, how much did that team, did you guys need that win? Yeah, we needed that win. We needed that win bad. Um, you know, as crazy as it's been, we have been progressing, you know, uh, putting, you know, instead of one quarter together, putting two and then putting three. So we wanted to just play 48 minutes and see, see the outcome. And we were able to, you know, put together 48 minutes and, and get a win against a team that's, um, you know, predicted to be, um, you know, a playoff in the playoff hunt in the West. So that was, that was real good for us, uh, for our confidence, especially also to get it at home. Now, you've had to adapt your game a little bit this year. Uh, you're averaging 4.2 three-pointers per game. Uh, you're shooting your highest three-point percentage of your career right now. Um, how much is that just, like, the way that your game has morphed over the years, or is that how – just out of necessity with this team, you guys don't have a lot of three-point shooters right now. You're not getting enough three-point shots up. Um, it, what is it? Is it parts, part and parcel of the same thing? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, being a guy that came into the league, uh, not, a, not a great shooter, a guy that could shoot a little bit, but not a great shooter. But, um, you know, kind of morphed into the 3 and D guy. Uh, but I, I think I can also, you know, do a, little, a few other things on the court. But, uh, you know, honestly, just giving, taking what the defense gives me, my, my three-point shot is feeling good. Um, you know, these are shots that you have to take um, when you're open just to help space the offense that we have. And, uh, you know, I, I want to I wanna make them all. But if I can shoot 40 or above, uh, that'll, be a good, that'll be good for our team, and uh, that'll be a good season for me. Defensively, you're clearly the, the best perimeter defender on this team. But are there some signs with some of these young guys, uh, Bogdan and – and Malachi and Buddy, that they can be better defensively and that they're working to improve? Yeah, definitely. I think even the first game with Bogey, we were able to see his, uh, his savvy on the defensive end. Um, you know, he still has to understand players and understands when they, when they like to set him up for back cuts and things of that nature. But on the ball defense, um, especially in the post, he's a guy that you're not going to back down. He's, he's a lot stronger than he looks. And he, can, uh, he has very quick hands. Buddy works real hard. He, he's, you know, we t I talk to him daily in and out about defensive things. And he's a guy that wants to be a good defender uh, you know, sooner than later in this league. Malachi um, you know, has the strength to be a guy that can guard you know, two, three, four positions in this league. And uh, I think Justin, you know, 
shows that he understands the game enough and understands uh, places where he needs to be to be a good defender. His length will help him a lot. So we can just uh, just get him in that weight room and get some pounds on him. He's a guy that can also be a guy that can guard, you know, four positions on the court. Now, we talked about Bogey a little bit there. How impressed are, we, are you with him coming straight from the European game, jumping right in, and his basketball savvy, his basketball IQ on both ends of the court seems really, really high. It, is that because he's been a professional forever? Or, I mean, can you just certain players have that certain something? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, he's been a pro for a while now. But also, um, you know, Serbians have a certain savvy about basketball that, you know, other Europeans may not. He's a guy that's, um, you know, understood the game for a while. He was actually telling me about a coach that coached a lot of the older coaches that came from Serbia. Um, a, guy, a guy that, you know, somebody like even Greg Popovich kind of looked up to. So him knowing the, the, the history of the game, um, you know, that far back goes to show you what type of student of the game he is and why he has the IQ he has. And, um, you know, him being 25, coming in, coming into the league, the, the game is so global now. Uh, you know, I wasn't surprised by him having the IQ he has and the ability to, to play at a high level. You know, and playing in all these world games against, uh, you know, top, top level NBA guys, that wasn't a surprise to me. Yeah, Buddy was talking about it last night following the game that uh, he's actually been working with Bogey, like on the team plane, talking about when to make passes, how to make passes, what to look for when you're making passes, and how the ball comes back around. And, and Buddy really credited those conversations with sort of what he saw in the last couple of games where, you know, you give it up and it comes back around. It, how nice is it to have a rookie that can step in and help a fellow young player? It's, 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 it's great. It's great. You know, sometimes they get tired of hearing it from us old guys, the veterans, um, you know, and, and a fresh set of uh, – a fresh voice is better for them. You know, Bogey and Buddy sit next to each other on a plane. So – and we, me and Vince sit next to each other. We see them talking. And uh, like you said, the last two games, it's shown in, in Buddy's game in terms of how he's been able to, you know, use his ability to get in the lane and create, but do it for others, and then the ball comes back to him. And, uh, you know, when he's not pressing, when he's being aggressive but not looking for his own shot, uh, he, he's, he's, he's a tough guy to stop on the offensive end. So, uh, you know, that, that's bogey. That goes to show you just his ability to, <clears throat> to have IQ but also be able to share with, uh, with somebody else to, so way they, they can receive it. When you look at the way that this season's gone so far, um, not j I mean, the numbers really do tell a story on this. Y you guys aren't shooting a lot of shots at the rim. You're not getting a lot of three-point shots, and you're not taking a lot of free throws. Those are kind of where the game is going. Um, all of, I mean, if you look at your numbers versus, say, the Houston Rockets, uh, you know, it's just the dynamics of where your shots are coming aren't even remotely close. That's a huge part about teams dictating what your young players are going to do in a 24-second shot clock, right? It's Teams are taking things away from you and forcing you into the things that they want you to do. How do you get through that? How do you get these young guys to stay aggressive? Keep, I mean, you got De'Aaron Fox, he can go anywhere he wants, but to keep going at the rim every single time he gets an opportunity. Continue to tell them and continue to show film. I think, um, you know, show film of games. Like, like last night where, you know, we have guys that we missed a few shots early on, open shots, but we continue to attack and, and move the ball. I think the second quarter, end of the first and beginning of the second was just beautiful basketball offensively where guys were attacking the paint, playing inside out, um, 
and getting open shots for other guys. Uh, so I think just continuing to show people film, continuing to just play and understand uh, these, are where, these are the shots we're trying to get. Don't settle for any other shot. And uh, if you do those things, guys will eventually learn how to, how to, how to you know, get the shots that they want, um, even though the, the defense doesn't want us to take them. It, it seems like you guys are holding together pretty well. I mean, it, it has been a rough stretch, but, I mean, when I come in here, there's a lot of laughing. There's still a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of teaching moments. How important is that? It's very important, um, you know, especially with a young team, but a team that's, that hasn't won a lot. Uh, guys have to enjoy coming to the gym. That's one thing about this league. You have to have fun, and you have to have fun with the people you're, you're here with. Um, if it's a dread to come to, to the gym, then it's going to be a dread to come to the game. And, you know, the, the way you feel heading into a game is, is, is really big in this league, no matter who you have on your team, no matter who you're playing against. So I think the biggest thing for us is to stay upbeat, to continue to, you know, talk about the positives as well as point out the negatives, but talk about the things that are uh, going well for us and try to have, a, have a, uh, a good vibe about us so we can compete every night. Now, you've been through this before. I mean, you were with John Wall, Bradley Bill as they're coming into their own uh, and, and Otto Porter. I mean, you've seen this process before and you've seen how it works. You stay with it. You stay with the same coaching staff. You try to build something. You've seen this, right? Yeah, I have seen it, actually. Um, when I signed with Washington in 2012, we were 3-22. and 22. Um, And uh, John was hurt at the time. Brad was a rookie. And, you know, we ended up finishing that season, I think, uh, went 24 and 25 at the end of the season when John got back and you saw a little glimpse. Um, and then the next year we actually made the playoffs. So, you know, things can turn around. Um, you know, it, and the thing about our team then, we were really focused on defense. Defense was a real aspect about us. And that's one thing I'm very happy about this team with. I'm looking at scores around the league and we're, we're defending, man. We're defending. And that's one thing that you, that you really can point to um, to something that we can continue to build on. If we can defend, no matter what we, how we shoot the ball, we can always be in game. So defensively, I'm real happy about where we are right now. Now, when we've seen it early in this season that uh, Coach has asked you and he's asked Zebo, he's asked George Hill um, to take a night off. How does that conversation go? Do you, I mean, is it like a near Latrell Sprewell situation? Like you're going to your car to go get a two by four and you're like, this ain't happening. This you ain't know, happening. You know me better than that, Jay. Uh, <laughs> it would never come to that. Um, but it's, I can imagine it's a difficult conversation for coach. You know, as players, we, we sign up to do whatever coach asks ask us to do, even if we don't want to do it. So, you know, um, it's something that, Guys want to play. We're, we're competitors, especially five, six games in. But if this is what it is, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, we have a, situ we're a situation here where development is very big for this team. And guys have to, young guys have to try to get, get minutes on the court. And uh, people have to try to see them. So, you know, whenever we do play, it's one of those cliches. Whenever you get on the court, um, you got to produce and you got to try to do what you can do. Uh, when you're off the court, do whatever you can do to help the team win. And, um, you know, I, I set one game, but I've been starting the last, what, two or three, playing, played 30 minutes last night. So you never know what's going to happen in this league, and uh, you just got to stay ready. Now, you never know what's going to happen in this league. Uh, I, I'm just going to hit you with it. I'm not going to hit you with social change questions today. I'm not going to hit you with politics, uh, which, you know, are always come up with you. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm going to hit you with you have a player option next year. 
Is this somewhere that you want to be long term? Is this somewhere that you can see yourself finishing your career? I can see myself finishing my career here. I definitely could see that. Um, I have a great relationship with the front office. I have a great relationship with the coaching staff, um, you know, the fans as well. Um, you know, I'm a guy that wants to win, so I'm definitely going to weigh my options depending on how this year uh, goes out. But I'm a guy that loves this team. I love these young guys. I would love, like you said, I was in D.C. when I saw these guys grow, and I would love to do the same thing here. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely deal with that when the time comes. I'm just worried about Philadelphia right now. You still got five, six years, eight years, ten years left in you? I, I mean, I, I look at a guy like Vince at 40. I don't know if I'm going to play till I'm 40, but I definitely think I got another six years in me, five, six years in me. I think I can play till I'm, you know, Zebo's 36, 36, I think, and I, I think I, I can do that. I think I can be 36 still out there playing, contributing. You're in a lot better shape than Zebo. <laughs> hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, lastly, um, Philadelphia, let's just – what is it that you see in that team and, and how do you guys prepare and, and are you guys ready to make it two in a row? You know, in that team, um, first thing you think about is the two young guys, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. He's come out and had a great start to his career. Uh, found ways to be productive and score the ball, do everything, even though he, you know, his jump shot is still a work in progress. Um, and they've, they've been winning, man, you know. They have three guys that can hit you with 20 every night with uh, those two and then J.J. Uh, shooting three. So it's a team that's, that's hot right now. We got to make sure we come out and try to, try to guard them, uh, take them out of things that they want to do. Um, but it's a, it's a game that's, you know, honestly, I think every game is winnable for us if we come up with the right mindset. It's a cliche, but it is what it is. Um, I think we have a chance to try to get another win here at home before we start this road trip. There it is, Garrett Temple. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California.com. I am James Ham. Joining me, my co host, Mr. Doug Christie. DC, you're stuck in traffic. Uh, something like that. A bunch of red lights uh, on the Bay Bridge. It's uh, it's pretty nasty on a Saturday, but it's all good, man. What's up, buddy? Hey, we got we got to do this podcasting thing, man. We, you know, the first half of the podcast, I brought in Garrett Temple, and the way the podcast works, so people know, is that we get players when we get players. So I I got Garrett on Wednesday, but finding time for you and I to sit down and do a pod just isn't easy. We're we're two very busy individuals. Uh, I, I would say so, man. The other day I did the radio show by myself for the first time, four hours. It was like, bam. <laughs> and between between games and family and what have you. But you know what? We're working it out, man. I'm digging it. We're working it out. That's right. All right. So check it out, Doug. The Kings are two. They've won, their, they've won two straight. What in the world is going yeah. on here? What is going on? You know what? I, I like the fight that I see in this team, man. They, you know, many times I would say like they would get down and you would see De'Aaron. He has, he has the want to take the game over. And I think that it, that type of attitude is permeated through the team. I think that uh, Justin Jackson coming in, being as aggressive, uh, a guy like Buddy Hill who goes from the starter to the bench, doesn't pout, keeps going. You see uh, – George Hill, the first one off the bench to, to celebrate with everyone last night. There's a togetherness and a fight about this team that I thought we saw in the first game. We didn't see it for the seven games of the losing, but uh, 
then all of a sudden I thought that it reared its head in Detroit and it's continued on. It'll be interesting to see what we see against the New York Knicks because if they continue to fight like this, Ham, they're going to find themselves in games with the possibility to win games. There it is. In it to win it, Doug. In it to win it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so check it. Uh, I, we've been getting bombarded on on Twitter uh, by one guy. Uh, I'm just going to call him out, Ted Logan. He He's all over me and Jason Jones and 1140 and anyone else he can at on his Twitter feed uh, about our reluctance, his perceived reluctance, to blow up George Hill for his bad start. And I'm slightly confused. Well, that's not true. Uh, well, I, I've talked about George Hill multiple times. I think maybe there's just too many platforms for Ted to keep up with. Uh, and it's, I think it's at Caterpillar Lover. So, uh, let's make sure to give him a follow. Uh, so he gets one follower, but Doug, what is it that you've seen from George Hill? And for me, he, he's just not pulling the trigger. He's shooting 40% from three. He's just a little out of sorts and he's, he doesn't have that, that veteran mentality come in and fire away, but Nine games into a a season for him, it's 11 games for the Kings, but he missed two games. And he's played 608 games in his career. This is like the smallest sample size of all time. What are your thoughts on what's wrong with George Hill? And have you been through a situation where you went to a team and all of a sudden you struggled? No doubt. First of all, uh, we've criticized George Hill, Grant and I, from the fact that he hasn't been able to produce as of yet. But... Uh, being a veteran and watching his body of work, there's no reason to criticize him in a way like he's not working or it's not going to happen or, or that that's never been the case. He is an absolutely uh, professional from on the court to off the court, his work ethic, everything uh, lends to the fact that this is the type of guy who's going to put the work in. He's going to figure it out. He's going to come out on the floor and make it happen. Has he been good to, to this point? No, absolutely not. And I think George would be the first one to speak to that point. I think part of it is a flow. Part of it is uh, he is more of a slasher, shooter. He's not necessarily been a guy that's ever just like dropped dimes and let a team in assist. And he's kind of setting the table for a Zebo. When Buddy was starting, he was setting the table. The other night, he didn't shoot well, but he had seven assists. So I, I gotta. There's a way to help and affect the game more than just shooting and scoring and those type of things. And George's skill set lends to the fact that he will be able to do that. So whoever in the hell Caterpillar is, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So <laughs> with that being with that being said. I uh, I did. I, w- even when I got traded from uh, Sacramento to uh, Orlando, there was a point where I got to the first practice and I w- went off a pick and roll and I flipped the ball behind my back and the coach stopped the practice and he said, no, 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 no. What in the heck is that? We don't do that here. And I'm just like, well, it was a perfect pass. The guy was wide open which led me to kind of, you know, it, it's, a, it's a rhythm thing. You're trying to find out new teammates. Now, getting traded in the middle of the year, in my opinion, is way different than, than having the ability to go through a training camp. Uh, how and why George is necessarily struggling, I, I, I probably c- couldn't put my finger on it. I would have to look a little deeper. But uh, I just I anticipate him having the ability to come out of 
from all things that I hear, he's fantastic in the locker room. He's fantastic with the young players. And that's ultimately what he was brought here for is to school of De'Aaron Fox, the school of Frank Mason about running a team, about, uh, you know, the little nuances of the NBA. So from that standpoint, he has been solid. It's just the numbers. He hasn't put them up like he has in his career, and I would anticipate that that changes him. You know, I've talked about it on multiple occasions as well, and and not to, to beat on you, Ted Logan, any further, but uh, maybe, again, maybe you aren't watching pregame, maybe you aren't listening to the podcast, maybe you aren't covering all of your bases where we talk about these things. The written word has a certain amount of value, sure, uh, but, you know, when it comes to analyzing a player— if I'm going to really break down what is and isn't going right or wrong with a player, I'm not using a nine-game sample size. That, to me, is absolutely ridiculous and doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, again, his body of work is too big, and I want to see him get back to his basics, but I've talked about this on multiple play, uh, multiple occasions in multiple platforms. When you start him in the opening of the season with a starting five that includes Buddy Hilde, Justin Jackson as a green rookie who had never played an NBA game, Zach Randolph and Willie Cauley-Stein, who on that team is going in that group is going to create anything for George Hill? And the answer is no one. There is not a single player in that lineup that creates for others on a regular basis. And so I think he got off just a, a strange start where the spacing wasn't there. He, he didn't know where to go with his players. He didn't, you know, he's he comes off a screen and no one hits him with a pass because that's not what Buddy Hill does or did at that point. So I just think that you have to give him a time uh, enough time to figure out his surroundings and the players that he's playing with and build some rapport and have them figure out where to find him and have him figure out where to go. Um, and then things will click. I mean, again, this is a guy who's played... I mean, he was on a 50-win team last year, a 49-50-win team in Utah. He was their second-leading scorer. If you guys don't think that the Utah Jazz miss him, you're absolutely crazy. They would love to have him back. So uh, that you know, that's just my take on George Hill. Now, Doug, I want to transition into something that Dave Yeager said uh, early earlier in the week, and something we talked about on the telecast. But I think it's something that we we need to hash over a little bit more. Um, he said, look, you know, people are starting to think it's okay. And I was like, look, it's not okay. It's not okay what's happening. Scoring 83, 84, 86 points, whatever it is, uh, playing and losing in a fashion that looks like you're uninspired or you have no idea what you're doing, that's not okay. That's not what the Kings are trying to build. And I think Dave Yeager put his foot down to this team and said, look, we're going to lose games. That's for sure. We're going to lose lots of them. But it's not okay to get into a mindset where we're accepting that and that's the norm and that's where we're heading. And I, I thought that that was absolutely brilliant by Jaeger because he doesn't usually call out his team in front of the media. and He's very cautious about that. And I was impressed. Yeah, I, I like the the whole bleeding, all that type of thing. There yep. has to be a passion yep. in the way that you play. There has to be a passion in the way that you approach the game, Ham. And a lot of the times that you can you can actually be winning and build a losing culture because the culture is selfish, and you can actually be losing. 
and build a winning culture because you're playing the right way, and ultimately the byproduct will be winning if you continue to do it that way. Uh, I like the message that's being sent. I don't know if part of that was, hey, this is the type of thing that we're doing on the court, and I'm not seeing enough work on your own. We aren't in practice, so we don't know. So I won't even speculate on that. But whatever the message that Coach Yeager was sending, it sounds like it's being heard, and I absolutely loved it because that's the type of passion that you have to have for this game, the dedication that you have to have for this game, and the willingness to play for each other on a night-to-night basis past the, uh, what do you say, uninspired 84 points a game and all those things. You can still score 84 points a game, uh, you know, on a night-to-night basis from time to time and play the right way, and it just wasn't your night and the shots weren't falling, but the defensive stance, the the competitiveness, the playing with pace, the diving on the floor, the trying to block shots. Those are the things that closed the game the other night, and I think that that's the spirit that Coach is looking for. I would agree with you 100%. So, Doug, I'm, I'm going to ask you about Willie Cauley-Stein in that situation. How impressed were you with his ability, not you know, not just to score points, because he, he had a nice offensive night, um, but in 17 minutes of play, it was the defense that stood out. I know a couple of times you looked at me and you said, why is Willie Cauley-Stein not in the game while we were watching it? Yeah. Uh, but his defense yeah. against Joel Embiid was just next level. I mean, he, he finished that game with two blocks in the final minute and then the the defensive play at the very end where he pestered the, st- the shot and Embiid missed. I mean, he sure does look like he's getting better and uh, maybe back to basics although he still wants to just talk about his offense. I want him to focus on defense and start there and build there. Um, you're a guy who who hung your hat on the defensive end, and then what you got on the offensive end was gravy, and, and really, I mean, you helped your team in all kinds of facets, but, but your job was to shut down Kobe Bryant. Your job was to, you know, go out there and battle against Michael Jordan. How much do you need that mindset for him in order for him to take that next step? Well, you know, oddly enough, Ham, there's different ways that you can approach it because when I first came in, I came in, you know, I'm scoring 20 and then, uh, you know, through injuries, I'm on the bench. And before you know it, a coach is telling me that you got to find a staple, something that you can hang your hat on in this league. And then I said, oh, well, I can play defense. I didn't know that because I really wasn't a defensive player. So I, I gravitated toward it. I studied it. I, I, I started to get good at it. And then I always had the offensive ability. So then by the time I got to the Kings, I started pairing it. It's odd because young players have to first, you got to find something that you are good at. And the, what impressed me about Willie the other night was his willingness to, to match the physicality and the aggressiveness of an MB. He did not back away. He actually went to it. He continued to uh, pester him to get his hands on balls, to put his hands on the dribble. Even when he was scored, he just kept on playing. And then at the end of the game, he's able to make the game-saving play. You know, I'm a Willie fan. Will I criticize the fact that he's not rebounding as much? Yeah, I will. But I I like everything that I see about Willie because he's an odd package. I mean, we have one of those guys that, uh, oddly enough, Ham, he's going to face the unicorn in Christoph Porzingis, and he might be one of the only guys in the NBA that can match him in size and be able to move which is going to be really interesting to see if he's able to do that. But his ability to 
continue to play, even though sometimes he's taken out of the game and, and, and uh, you know, playing time isn't there and maybe coach isn't as happy with him, but to go in and continue to give that effort and find ways to contribute, I'm highly impressed with that from, uh, from Willie. All right, so look, we're running out of time here. You've got to be close to the close to getting to NBC Sports in, nope. in San Francisco. Oh, nope, you're still stuck on the bridge. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just coming under the tunnel on the second part of the bridge, and all I see is red lights in front of me. Uh, Angel Island, there we are. Uh, all right, so Doug, uh, on the first half, I, we're going to talk a little bit about Garrett Temple. Um, Garrett Temple is, you know, uh, if you're around the Kings, you, you know, how, how good of a guy this he is. He, he's salt of the earth. He's a guy who's willing to stand up and talk about social change. He's willing to pull a teammate aside and say something. Um, he won the teammate of the year award last year for the Sacramento Kings. And on top of that, he also won the award for, uh, being the best player with the media on the team as well. Um, which again, that those are media awards, which are, are difficult to get because the media doesn't, you know, it's not our job to like or dislike somebody, but he's a good guy. How important is he to this team? Because he has an option for next season at $8 million and he can opt out and he can leave. What kind of, like, what would that do to this team to lose, uh, not just a player like him, who's a three and D guy, but a veteran who's helping build this thing up the right way? You know, Garrett is probably the linchpin, I mean, uh, of the Kings from the standpoint that he's a, you got different veterans that can speak to different things, but he is very diverse in the fact that he can speak to the guards, but you know, the big guys also come to him and he's able to speak to everybody in a lot of different ways. But oddly enough, as you say that, and I listen to you, uh, you're almost at the point, Ham, where the training wheels are, are going to come off and you kind of got to see. So if he was to lead, I think that he's left them with the the base and the cornerstone of information from the locker room standpoint that hopefully somebody can then begin to take that step and grow in that, that area. Uh, but from the standpoint, if the kids can keep him, I think it would act, absolutely be idea because he serves so many different purposes if you need him to play a point guard for a second he can do that if you need him to to play a three or start at the two guard position or if you want to play small uh he can knock down the three he grabs rebound i mean he does every single swiss army knife of the sacramento Kings. so uh that's going to be a decision that needs to be made but the fact that he's been here for a couple years and he's 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 given away information freely and honestly wholeheartedly i think that he's left an indelible uh print that if he did leave some guys are going to be way way better for it and be able to start to start to take that step on their own yeah there it is i i to be honest with you i think it would be a huge blow to the kings of course you know they'll go out and they'll find someone but this is one of those people that i think you'd like to keep with your franchise and maybe keep with your franchise forever uh, a guy that you yeah. want you want to see I around agree. this team. Yeah, you you'd like to see yeah. him here and retire here. Um, you know, if he does decide to opt out, I would I would re up him. I would try to re up him for another three or four years. He's thirty one, going on thirty two, but he's a player who did not play a lot as a young player. He doesn't have all the mileage. Uh, he's got half as many games as George Hill does on his body at the same age, and he's someone I think that you can 
always you can always use a Garrett Temple in your locker room on your team on the floor. Uh, so I, I hope that he sticks around long term. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Now, Doug, we've been doing Facebook Live shows uh, during game days now, so. Um, hopefully yeah. you can jump on and pop into some of those, especially when we're in studio. We'll be there Monday. We'll be there Wednesday uh, doing Facebook Live shows. Those are things that um, we'll send out tweets to make sure everyone's seeing those as, as soon as we go live. Uh, but that gives you a, a wide open look, and a wide open opportunity to fire away with questions at me or Doug or Jim Cosmore. Um, I think it's an aw- awesome opportunity uh, we're there every day. We know these players. We know everything about what's happening behind the scenes for the most part. And we're giving you a, a pipeline to us. So make sure to tune into our Facebook live shows. And uh, Doug, you have a good show today, right? Yeah, I, I plan on it, man. I'm uh, now getting off the exit. Going to go grab some lunch, uh, sit down with our producer, Ryan, chop it up a little bit, get ready to roll and Hey, man, in New York City, no place better than the Mecca, man. Go Kings. That's right. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. I am James Ham. He is Doug Christie. We'll see you next week.